Hello? Hello. So I'm getting into my car, and the UPS guy is delivering a package, and he got stuck in the mud and on the ice. And so now my mom has to come out here and rescue the UPS guy. Fun times. It's freaking freezing, and it's snowing. Well, it's not snowing now, but it snowed before. <laughs> I was just about to complain how I'm cold. And <laughs> I just ate ice cream, and now I feel frozen. But I think you are colder than me. <laughs> yeah. Down here. I would rather be cold because of ice cream than cold because I live in the boonies. I really live on the White Mountains. Anybody, <laughs> yeah, I live where it does not snow, it can get cold here, but I think it's I should say it's never snowed here. It snowed a couple times, but it usually melts by the time it gets down. It, it's extraordinarily rare, it'd be like a miracle if I got snow where I lived, which is in a desert, very much the 122 degrees during summer kind of desert. So but it's cold for someone who grew up in that heat down here right now because it's been raining. And so it's probably only in like the 40s or 50s. Not cold enough to snow, but very cold for someone who's used to only like 75 degrees during this time of year. When yeah. I ate I ate ice cream that I made with my Ninja Creamy, which I got for Christmas. It's fabulous. But I swear that ice cream comes colder than any other ice cream I've eaten. <laughs> I don't know how or why, but I swear it's it makes yeah. me so cold when I eat. It's funnier when there's just like different types of things freeze colder or something. I don't know. All right. <laughs> um. So the UPS guy's still stuck, and our neighbors just went home. Maybe they went to get the tractor to pull them out. I don't know. Anyway, so Mythica. <laughs> um, Mythica, the necromancer. Do you want to do the intro and I will do the summary? I don't know if I remember what happened in this movie. I'm actually I looking at like see. two hours ago. <laughs> I'm not sure what happened. Yeah, not a great start to uh, for our review. Not a... Sorry, I'm looking for my husband's iPad, Jonathan's iPad, because if he has his iPad, I was going to say I could just pull up the Wikipedia page because that seemed to really help last time Yeah, streamline it. But I don't think it is in the room I am in. I think it is in another room. So, yeah, I'll do the intro and then you can do the summary. And if you miss anything that I happen to remember, because I just finished it, but I was only able to watch it in small segments throughout the day today. As I was going about doing stuff, so if I remember something, you forget, I'll hop in and we'll figure it out together. Sounds so, good. welcome to Missed Opportunities, presented by Your Little Sisters Productions. I am Laura. I'm Taya. And we are so grateful to have you here and listening. We are very close to our 100th podcast episode. We are so excited. By the end of the Mythica series, it will be our 100th podcast episode. We have done this podcast, and then we've done a few episodes of another one called Two Guys with Love. 
And altogether, it will be 100 episodes. We are so excited. We're going to do something exciting and fun. So keep an eye out for that celebration on our social medias, Facebook and Instagram, Your Little Sisters Productions. You can also find us on Twitter at YLS underscore productions and on Patreon, patreon.com slash Taya Joyflake. That is T-A-I-A-J-O-Y-F-L-A-K-E for the Patreon. There's two tiers, one for the podcast and one for our YouTube channel. You can go ahead and decide which one you want to support. And you get exclusive, if you support the podcast, you get exclusive episodes that are available only on patreon.com to our patrons. You get first come, first serve for recommendations on movies or other things you would like us to discuss on this podcast, as well as direct access to us via email for communications and a lot of other fun goodies. So keep an eye out for that. And I think that's everything as far as our social media and where you can find us and communicate with us. So we just finished watching Mythica 3, The Necromancer. Taya, do you want to explain the plot of this movie? No, I do not. Um, but I will. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so this is the third installment of the Mythica series. We find um, Merrick, who's our main character, and she... Well, first we have a long sequence of someone hiding something in a cave and then we uh see Merrick and she is actually training with Kevin Sorbo hooray um we get a lot more of Kevin Sorbo in this movie still not enough I think he had like four scenes which (laughs) is you know double from what he had in the last movie so we're excited um so anyway, he is training her. And while he is training her, he has a vision of the big bad coming to find her. And uh, and so he goes off to, like, find the big bad guy. And um, Merrick, she goes back to the bar, is hanging out with her crew and her family. Tila comes back and gives a cold shoulder and kind of pulls away from Thane, who in the last movie they had just kissed and you know, kind of proclaimed their love for each other. And then um, Dagan actually sincerely hits on Merrick and like is like, hey, like all jokes aside, like let's actually go take a walk or go do something. And she's like, nope, I gotta get back to uh, Kevin Sorbo's character. I don't remember what his name is. Gojin Pai. Pai. So she's got to go back to him. When she goes back to the place where she's supposed to meet him, he's in this big fight with all of these monster creatures that are coming out of a portal. And so he tells her to close the portal. And uh, so she goes and closes the portal. He is fighting them off and gets cut or stabbed. And then she finally closes the portal and he's like, I'm about to pass out, does a spell, and um, it's an expensive spell, and he gets rid of all the monsters. And those she... monsters, by the way, according to the subtitles, are zombies. Oh, right, because yeah. So he explains, like, after she, you know, cauterizes his wound or whatever, and they're back um, by the hideout. She or he explains that he went, and it was a booby trap. Um, they just wanted to follow him, and the bad guy. Zorlock, Zorlock. Is, 
yeah, so Zorlock is basically trying to create an army of the dead. So he wants to get the um, uh, Dark Spore, collect all of the different pieces of it, put them together, and then collect all of these necromancers to raise the dead and so that he can control them with the Dark Spore. Right? That's what I got from it. <laughs> that is my understanding of it. Okay, so that's his evil plan. And he's like, he will need Merrick. Like, he will need you. And he is going to come looking for you. So you need to stay here and do nothing. And I'm going to leave. And if I come back and you are still here, I will teach you any spell you want to know, including the super expensive spell that got rid of all the zombies. And she's like, okay, well... As soon as he leaves, of course, something happens and Thane gets uh, attacked. So how that happens is Thane comes to Tila and he's like, I understand that you have, you know, made vows and oaths to your goddess. I'm not going to pressure you. You don't have to pull away from me anymore. We will be comrade in arms. That's it. And I'm not going to, like, pressure you. And then he starts walking away. She jumps on him. They make out a little. And then it cuts to black. And we assume what they did. (laughs) Yeah. So whilst um, he is getting, putting his shirt back on. And she's laying in the bed. um, These stealthy (laughs) warrior guys come in, attack him, uh, attack her. And she can't call upon the goddess to help her anymore because she is now unworthy of the goddess because she made a vow and she has broken it. So Thane gets taken away, stabbed again, and <laughs> he gets he gets drugged away. And it turns out it was the den, which apparently is the pimp guy from the first two movies. He's really upset. He um, has a bounty on Thane's head because remember, uh, Merrick rescued Thane from uh, being in like the crow's cage in the first movie because he beat up whatever the guy is, the pimp. He beat up the pimp. And so that's why he was in the crow's cage. She freed him from the crow's cage. And apparently that guy has always had a bounty on him. Paragus is his name. Yeah. So he uh, takes him in, tortures him, ties him up to this machine that is basically like a guillotine, but like not, a knife but like a bunch of spikes pointing down that he can drop that will just crush you with a bunch of spikes so he's basically holding Thane's life in the balance and Merrick and all of them come and they're offering all their gold and Merrick does say that she doesn't want to go like because she's not supposed to leave the hideout she's not supposed to do anything you know stay here do nothing but of course she has to because Thane is her comrade and she owes so much to him so she has to help so the pimp says okay if you go find this guy who's on the um battlefield he has the location of my smuggler my shipment of stuff uh has gotten lost and I want that shipment of stuff. It's basically Elystrium is what they call it. It's um I'm a they never explain exactly what it's for, but it's very valuable. And yeah. you have to mine for it. So basically uh it is it's very valuable and so they go to 
But um, so they keep saying the bad guy keeps saying and he sends one of his henchmen who will send a bug back to back to the pimp every uh, day. And if he doesn't receive one of the bugs back, then he's going to kill Thane. If he, you know, so like they have to keep that guy alive so that he can send the bugs so that Thane doesn't die. Well, they get to the front of the uh, battle that's going on. Because there's wars happening all over the place. Um, so they get to the front of the battle. They, um, Merrick uh, follows, what's his name? Bastila? Something like that? No, it was something like Bellaton. I want to say it's Bellaton or Bedelin. It starts with a B, and he likes bugs. <laughs> so she follows him like through this war zone. He is really cruel to one of the soldiers who has fallen and gets where his, like he basically like tortures while he's on the battlefield, tortures this guy into confessing where his contact is. And Merrick tries to stop him. And then she tries to help the guy, but the guy has already died. And then, so you just see that the bug guy is a bad guy. And then you go, they find their contact in the hospital, like the war hospital, which is really just like, you know, a trench <laughs> that they've like put curtains up and put like little torches and stuff to make it nice. And they go in there and he's trying to like beat it and torture it out of uh, the the contact. And Merrick is like, no, I need thing. Like I need this information. So she goes, she talks to the guy, gets the information that he, that, um, the the guy that they're looking for what's his name the guy that they're looking for the guy they're talking to the guy they're looking for the eel is what they call eel. him i'm like it's a really short easy name that i should have been able to remember anyway so, so it's captain purio and he knows where the eel is the eel is the smuggler yes so he tells her that the eel is in love with this girl who works at a brothel and you will probably find him at the brothel. And the brothel is moving, but he's pretty sure he knows where it is. And anyway, so they go, they find, well, they leave. And the bug guy murders the contacts and then burns the hospital to ground. Uh, and Merrick is like, you're bad word and psycho and all this stuff. And so they leave, they go to the brothel, they find the girl and um, Tila... I don't know. I don't know how Tila um, betrays them, but basically, they're talking she to needs to go get uh, the guy whose name starts with a B. I'm pretty sure it's Bellaton, but I could be wrong. She either leaves or she sends someone to get him right. because he said, "I want to talk to the girl." When you find the girl, I want to talk to her myself. Bring her to me, and they find the girl, and they don't bring her to him because Merrick's like, "He'll just kill her. Let's get the information ourselves," and then just relay the information. And the reason Bellaton wasn't with them is because he didn't, or Betelit, whatever his name is, was because he didn't like being in the brothel because he didn't like germs. And he said the place was crawling with disease and germs, and so he was going to wait outside. Yeah, so he... um, He he comes in (laughs) Yeah, but so somebody goes and gets him. He comes in. He figures out that the girl is lying, that the eel didn't run away and finds him hiding in a wardrobe and threatens to kill him. 
Eel says, I have this shipment of stuff. I hid it in a cave, but there was these monster people came and attacked the cave. And so that's why the shipment didn't go through was because these monster people are there. And Not monster people go gal Goshens. They're just from another kingdom country. I don't know if they call them kingdoms or countries. Yeah, you know, it's hard to tell who's a monster in these shows. Their faces are covered. Yeah, um, true. Anyway. all Goshens, and then in the cave are cave demons. Sorry. Okay, so um, all Goshens are the soldiers, and then there's cave demons in the cave. So the Gargoshans are digging too fast and they're waking up cave demons is, is the problem. So he's like afraid to go back, but he also doesn't want to die. So he's like, I will take you to the cave where the shipment is. And with all of these people, we'll probably survive. So they go to the cave. And while they are looking down, like kind of seeing what is happening, um, Merrick sees one of the like general guys up on the cliff looking down you know like opposite of them and it turns out that that's actually the super super duper bad guy the zorlock guy and he has basically tricked merrick into being there and she realizes it and she's like he knows i'm here it was a trap kevin Zor- i hate technology <laughs> if only technology liked us <laughs> It's like, why get our hopes up that you can do something if you can't do it? I just, I have this possibly irrational but very real fear of AI taking over the world and <laughs> just doing, causing mayhem and just not great stuff. So I'm wary of technology already as it is. I don't like having things like Echo Dot in my house or anything that's smart and recording my voice. Too many times I've talked about something with someone, my phone was just nearby and I know I haven't searched anything about it on my phone and then I start getting ads for the thing I was talking about with someone on my phone. I don't like that, but what am I going to do? So, yeah, I have this irrational fear of technology, but we do need it for everything that we want to do (laughs) with our company so so those of you at home who probably don't experience uh any of this uh the app kicked us off and we are starting a new recording um but it did save it so what you just heard was the first time that we had recorded that so yay we didn't have to (laughs) re-record we just have to start again (laughs) which is the first two mythical movies we would record an entire episode basically we were maybe two minutes from being done and then it would crash and not save and so whatever you hear from for mythical one mythical two is the second time that we had to record something and then it saved this time it crashed but it saved what we already had so um i'm gonna say set an alarm on your phone or tablet or oven timer (laughs) for 30 minutes just so that we don't have to deal with that problem, but hopefully it doesn't just crash again. But if it crashes again and saves it, I'm fine. If it yeah. crashes or if it glitches and ruins our recording, that I'm not okay with. I have a timer set I right now for 30 minutes. Okay. It's been going for about 20 seconds. So 
right. are good. It should, even though my phone's on silent, I should, well, I can see it on my screen. So we'll be fine, even if it doesn't ring, because I can see it. All right. So perfect. Okay. So back to what we were talking about. We were talking about uh, big bad guy Zorlock knows that Merrick is there. Merrick is pretty sure that this is all a trap, but they have to save Thane. So they go into the cave and they're looking for the bag and uh, the bag of the shipment of Illustrium, I think is how you say it. Yeah. So there's, there's some sort of, there's a backpack full of this stuff and they have to find the backpack where the, where the eel hid the backpack. Well, the eel finds it and yells for the soldiers to come in and then he takes off. Well, the bug guy catches up to him, grabs him and is like, that was a mistake. But then the soldiers come see that there's someone in their cave that they've taken over and start shooting at them. So, uh, the eel and uh, Merrick, I was about to say Tila, <laughs> Merrick and the eel go running off into the caves to try and find a way out to go save Thane. While Tila and Dagon and the bug guy uh, hold off the soldiers. The bug guy dies. And while, like, right before he dies, he gives one last bug to Tila. Because him and Tila had a conversation. It was really weird because we just saw him be a horrible, awful murderer guy. And then he's like being nice to Tila. And she's like kind of like, it's like humanizing him, which was, I don't know. I thought that was very weird. I kind of wish, I know we get to review after the summary, but just really quick. I kind of wish instead of him giving the bug to her, I wish she had literally rifled through his clothing to find at least one more bug to send back yeah. to save Thane instead of him giving it to her because it was he's just been a really horrible murderous awful person this entire time that has cared about no one and he had one conversation with Tila that wasn't life-changing or anything she asked him about his bugs maybe he gave her the bug because he's like she'll appreciate it she asked about my bugs and I like bugs they're my favorite thing in the world or like Here maybe he was trying to save like because he says that He's had, like he said, none of the bugs he has are over two years old, but he's had their lineage since he was a boy. Maybe he was just trying to save the book. Maybe. Also, I don't know. <laughs> so. Either way, either way, he gives a bug to Tila. So she has one bug. So they, the most she can do is save Thane for one more day. So she has the bug and her and Dagan fight. They get captured and they get tied up to a pole and they're basically Dagan's just like stopped with an arrow, by the way. He's an arrow sticking out of his side. Yeah. He's got an arrow sticking out of his uh, abdomen on the side, and she's got a bug crawling all over her. So <laughs> Merrick um, and the eel guy are running, and they run into kind of like a dead end. And at the dead end, they find the dark spore which is another shard of the evil crystal that the guy is looking for and it turns out that it is actually the source of all of the the green valuable stuff it's been basically corrupting the rocks and the people mine the corrupted rocks and that's the valuable stuff so um (laughs) merrick is really stupid because literally the eel is like oh my gosh this is so much power you could start an empire i could have my own like empire of like all of this moss and it would be amazing. And you, can you imagine so much power? And she's like, yeah, I'm going to take that and I am going to uh, destroy it. My neighbors were waving to me. So I had to wave back. Um, So I'm going to take that and I'm actually going to give it to 
Kevin Sorbo's character away from you to keep it safe. And the guy's like, uh, no. And he whacks her on the head and takes it and leaves. And <laughs> so she is lost in a cave and her staff that she got from Kevin Sorbo um, is like glowing. But as she's wandering, she's losing her power and the, the light is going out on her staff and she's really scared and afraid and uh, and she eventually finds pieces of the eel. He was attacked by the cave demons. She picks up the rock. So she has the rock and she has the shipment in the backpack. She puts the rock in her hand and she carries the backpack. Oh no! Well, first she gives up. And then Tila takes the bug and tells the bug to go find Merrick. And the bug leads Merrick to the eel who has been dismembered and she picks up the stuff and then the bug leads her out she has to fight cave demons they are super creepy at first but then when they like come into the light and like stand up they're just like guys in costumes <laughs> so like i was like okay I'm, i won't have nightmares about them now because at first they were super they were really creepily well done um, their they, their budget didn't allow them to hire real cave demons, so they had to settle for the costumes. Right, exactly. <laughs> so, um, so anyway, so she gets out, uh, defeats some cave demons. She gets out. She follows the bug to Tila. Tila's super excited that you know the bug came back to her because that means that Merrick is alive. Merrick rescues them, and of course, like Dagan is like, um, this is a trap. You need to be careful and. Uh, so they're running away and they get surrounded by the bad guys and the big bad guy Zorlock comes and he grabs Merrick and they like go into like this shadowy realm and they go and they disappear out of the battle so her friends are left alone Dagan has an arrow sticking out of him and he pulls the arrow out and starts attacking one of the guys kills one of the guys Tila starts fighting back and she gets the sword from one of the soldiers and they're just going back and forth, getting their butts kicked. And um, Merrick is trying really hard not to do her necromancy power of sucking the life out of everybody um, in order to save her friends. And he, uh, Zorlock keeps trying to convince her to do that. He takes her to Thane and he takes her to, where else does he take her? He takes her to a bunch of places. But yeah, eventually, he takes, he takes her. At one point, he takes her to something that's not happening in the present. Something that did happen, which was Dagan having two girls on his lap that he was having fun with uh, in a tavern, like, laughing yeah. and drinking and kissing them and saying, "You know, I, you know what I want. If you give it to me, you'll have what you want to." Something like that. Um, and then he takes her to where Dagan and Tila are. He just kind of zips her around to a bunch of places, trying to tempt her into the scenario that would make her use her powers. Yeah. So he zips her around. They come back and she is like, and she flat out refuses. She um, drops the dark spore and, or she offers a dark spore to him and says, if you like, let my friends go, I'll give it to you. And he's like, I already got it. I can take it anytime I want. So why would I make a deal with you basically? And then he just keeps trying to get her to use her power. She drops it. He picks it up and 
gets really, really angry that she has refused him. She's refused power, all this stuff. And he's like, now you're going to die. He leaves and his men attack more. And Tila gets shot twice with uh, two arrows. And um, the Zorlock is now like, you don't want to join me. I'm going to like kill your boyfriend. So he goes up to Dagon and starts sucking Dalen's life out of him after he's like, his back has been slashed. He's been stabbed. He had an arrow in his ab for like an hour. <laughs> like he's not doing good. So um, Zorlock is sucking the life out of Dagon. Tila comes to Merrick and is like, take my life. I am giving it to you. I am sacrificing myself because I'm not going to make it. These arrows, like I'm not going to make it. I don't have the healing power anymore because I lost the healing power. Um, from breaking my vow. So take my life. This is a sacrifice I can make. This is how I can help Thane. She sacrifices her life so that Merrick can get back to save Thane. And Merrick takes her life, but she like starts kind of sucking her out. Like the, uh, that's a weird sentence. Um, start sucking the life force out of her, but because it was given willingly and it was Tila's sacrifice, it's different. It's not dark. Her eyes don't go dark. Her magic isn't scary. You know, a couple of times when she was like attacking the bug guy, like her, her eyes went scary and dark and, and, um, but this time because Tila was like so willing and everything and Tila was saying, it's the right thing to do. Like I'm giving up my life. Let me sacrifice myself. Um, she disappears. Tila disappears into like this gold misty stuff. And then Merrick has this gold magic that is way stronger than the dark evilly magic. And she takes care of the entire army and Zorlock disappears. Like she, she shoots him and he vanquishes, but he's not dead. We, we know he's not dead, um, but he's gone at least. And Dagan gets up and he is healed. He, the, um, thing on his back is healed his side is healed um, for some reason the cut on his forehead is not healed but that's kind of like what Tila's magic does is it can heal you from things that are going to kill you but not all the other stuff um, so he's healed up enough Merrick is completely drained and tired and she's just in horrible grief of what she has done because she's killed one of her best friends basically. And Dagan puts her on a horse. He gets Tila's necklace. He gets um, all like all their stuff together and um, tries to ride. Horse is so tired. He can't go anymore. So Dagan carries her and tells like, and he, the whole time he's like telling her like, you did the right thing. Tila, like you didn't take Tila's life. Tila sacrificed herself to save Thane and to save us. So if, if Thane dies because the bugs, like we don't have any more bugs and the bug that Tila sent got shot down. And so he's like, if Thane dies, then her sacrifice is on us. Like, her blood is on our hands if we don't save Thane. So they finally make it. They go. They save Thane. Uh, Thane finds out that Tila is dead. And he straight up murders the pimp. Uh, just he murders him. And <laughs> they, uh, they leave. Merrick goes back to Kevin Sorbo. And she's like, I'm sorry. I know I did the wrong thing. And Kevin Sorbo is like, okay, 
I know where the last rock, like the last piece of rock is. And there's no possible way right now for the, for Zorlock to get it. So we sit and we do nothing. <laughs> like we just wait. We don't show him anything. We just wait and watch and see what he does next because the stone is safe right now. And we're the reason that he keeps, you know, finding all the stones. So they just sit there on the top of a hill and watch a battle happen in front of them because there's just wars going on. I don't, I didn't understand that part. So um, yeah, I didn't understand the battle happening parts either but so they, they just watch it for a minute and then yeah. it cuts to Merrick and Dagan getting ready for a quest they're putting all their knives in talking about like you know we got to go and fight this thing and everything and Thane comes in and he's ready to go um, and they're going to do the exact opposite of what Kevin Sorbo said to do and they're going to go and try and fight the bad guy and avenge Tila's death and that's that's where it ends, right? Yes. Okay. That is where it ends. It feel, not a whole lot happened in this movie as far as plot. It was an extremely simple plot. There were a lot of shots of them walking. Very Lord of the Rings-esque in the fact that there was a lot of walking. Well, that's how all of these movies have been. There's been a lot of, like, that's basically... The, like, I noticed movie. it more in this movie because they didn't even have a whole lot of conversations as they were walking. It was like in the other movies, I feel as though there was character development and relationships were growing, but in this one, not so much because they're not trying I'm... to socialize with the bad guy whose name starts with the beat, the bug guy, as we're calling him. You know, they're just trying to get to the destination and avoid him as much as possible. Yeah, so and everybody's upset because Thane, because Thane isn't there. Like, he's not part of this party, which is probably good. And my theory for that is the fact that he gets shot all the time and Tila can't heal him. So if he had come, he probably would have died. <laughs> I thought about that, too. Like, what are they... What is he going to do in the next movie without Tila? <laughs> because he's always on the verge of death and she's the one who's always pulling him out. Yeah, so it's going to be in- the next movie is going to be interesting. I really hope they bring Tila back uh, because she just disappeared. She didn't like she didn't like die, die. And when the other necromancers killed someone, they just died um, yeah. and their bodies well, were she, still there. And she, so it was obviously asked, very, very different. Yeah, um, she asks the goddess to um, bring her into her glory. So I'm kind of thinking that Tila will come back in some form or fashion and that the goddess took her sacrifice and was like, okay, you can, you know, come back and help your friends or something like that. I don't, I'm hoping she's not gone for good, but I also hoped Cole wasn't gone for good. And there was not even a mention of his name this entire movie. I know. Like she did not mourn him at all. They didn't even have like a funeral. Like they're all just happy and dancing around and she was and more upset she was more upset at the bug guy killing that captain guy who was already dying in the field hospital than she is about Cole's death who she knew and who was yeah. murdered well and like her reactions just don't make any sense and um so uh last time on the podcast we had talked about how there was a year in between these two films 
But I looked online and I was wrong. It's a year. Like, so this film and the next one are the ones that are a year apart. This one came out in the same year that two came out. And so there was no excuse for them ending it the way that they ended it. And there was no excuse for like, I don't know. There was, I don't know. There was no reason to not have her feel anything about Cole, like at all. So I don't. I, I have no excuses for them. Um, I do like the storytelling aspects of these movies. And I like, I think that the director understands a lot of storytelling. Like I think that they made some low budget um, and amateur mistakes, but for the well, most the part, they director. foreshadow. Yeah. For the most part, they foreshadow things pretty well. Like they talk about stuff beforehand, like the, like um, in the last movie, it was the healing potion which plays a huge part at the end um, and they show it and like they, they hang a lantern on it so often that when it, when it comes into play um, it, it makes sense. And in this one, they, uh, they kind of hung a lantern on the spell, like the arrows stopping and the spells, like the magic that she's capable of. So, I do appreciate the storytelling in that aspect. Like I didn't feel like when we got to the end, there was magic that didn't make sense because it had been foreshadowed um, enough. Like we hadn't seen it yet, but it had been foreshadowed that it was possible. And so I think, I do think that they did a good job with that, but I, my, I didn't like this movie. Well, it was a new director, this movie. that this The first two were directed by someone named Anne Black. This one was directed by someone, something Todd something. I just remember seeing a different name for the director, and I think it's a man's name, but I can't be sure because they did the first letter, dot, middle name, and last name. Yeah. But so, it is a different director. I could tell it was a different director because the fight scenes were done differently. And uh, there and are a lot of things a lot of shots I didn't like in the first two films were gone. But yes, this film was very dark. And I mean and that I- like metaphorically and like visually, like my dad was watching it with me cause I'm back home and he was like, I didn't like that because I could barely see anything because everything is shot at night or in the cave or whatever, but it's dark. Like it's like, ugh, I didn't like it. I don't like that cinematography. I never have. I think it is so annoying. <laughs> it's like the Harry Potter movies got darker and darker and darker, like li- like visually darker. <laughs> it's like, you know, and I know I've never watched Game of Thrones, but a lot of people complained about the final battle being just basically in the dark. And I agree with uh, Peter Jackson. Um when it comes to that kind of stuff, uh, if you don't know the story, Peter Jackson was filming the Battle of Helm's Deep, and the Battle of Helm's Deep is nighttime, <laughs> and there's black earth around everybody, and there's a very dark, yet everything is lit, and one of his, I don't know, producers or camera guy I don't know he said where's the light coming from like in in your universe where's the light coming from and Peter Jackson said the same place that the music is coming from (laughs) right it's like it's the mood it's the feel people will be okay with it because I'm not doing all of this work to have people not see it 
And I feel like that's the problem with like all of these movies that think that if we make it dark enough, then we can do all of these things that, um, you know, that won't look, they won't look cheesy because, you know, it's dark, but there's no point in getting people dressed in costumes and fighting with swords if we can't see it. And there was so much of this movie that I was watching it on a 72 inch screen and I couldn't tell what was happening. Yeah, so, I was watching it on my phone and I had to turn the brightness up a lot just to be able to see what was happening on screen. Also, this is the first time that I've been able to watch the movie and have any sort of volume where I, where I could actually hear the characters' voices. Because I usually, the first two movies I watched, like, middle of the night and then super early morning. And was trying not to wake anybody in my house. And then I was, today I was watching it on my phone and I had some time to myself. Thank you, Jonathan, for watching the household. And I turned the volume up and I actually got to hear what people sounded like. I had never <laughs> heard their voices. I had no idea Tila was doing an accent or anything. None. I had zero idea what their voices sound like, sounded like. I will, until say, I will say their accents were a lot, like all of them, their accents were a lot more consistent in this movie than any of the other ones. They sounded much more in place. Like we talked before that the actor who plays Thane is the best at delivering the old timey uh, lines and the old timey words. And I feel like in this movie, that is one thing that the director did well is all of them sounded so much better and so much more consistent in the old timey. Like they didn't go back and forth between new age and modern speaking. So he did do that good. I will give him that. I will not give him how dark the freaking screen was because that was stupid. But I will definitely say that um, all of the actors did better with that in this movie. Yeah, I I agree. And it was fun actually being able to really hear the people speaking instead of just reading the subtitles for everything. Cause just because I hadn't had that experience until today because of circumstances. So that was fun for me. But... I, I, I liked some things of this movie better than the first two. For example, I, I liked the battles, the, the fight scenes a bit more. They did this thing, they did it, I think, every time they had a fight where it would be slow motion and then pause and then fast. And so you could kind of, it would pause in the middle of them looking cool and then it would go fast and they would do it and then it would be slow motion to the next thing. And we also got to see Thane fight. At, while, while he's putting his shirt back on at the beginning and then he only has his shirt on and he's fighting and I was like finally I actually get to see well I had to turn the brightness up but with the brightness yeah. up <laughs> I actually got to see what was happening because he doesn't have 500 layers covering his shoulders and arms and whenever he turns I can't even see what's happening and so I like that I got to see a bit more of that um I in this movie, they didn't have any large monsters to fight. Like in the first one, they have the ogre. In the and the second one, they had the dragon. So they weren't fighting anybody off screen like they have been in the other two movies, which we talked about is really cheesy. There's no real way to make that not cheesy. <laughs> um, and so I think in this one, I did notice like when they were outside in the sun, and I could see what was. I think that they did good in the fight scenes the choreography was good yes i did like that a lot so i like the fight scenes a lot better in this movie mostly the ones, I can, see. 
yeah, the ones that we could see, as I said, I I turned the brightness up on my phone a lot, and it, even then it was hard sometimes. But I did that, and that helped me be able to see more. And it was more fun and exciting. But the story was very simple, which is fine, because stories can be very simple, and if they're well told, really entertaining. But... I'm not going to say it's boring, but I don't think it was the most memorable, even though Tila dies. But she's a main, as far as we know, she's dead. She's a main character that should have more impact. But it didn't. Well, I think the problem that I had with it was it feels very side quest. You know, like yeah it didn't it's feel like yeah it's the same thing that they did before with um they they went on a quest to find the stone and then they had no intent like to save tila and then they had no intention of giving the stone back and it's the same story they go to get the shipment to save thane but then they don't have the intention of saving thane by giving the shipment <laughs> like they're gonna go and fight and so it's it just seems pointless that at this point for them to tell that like it's literally the exact same story is the fact that they um they are going like they have plans like in their in scheming of things their plan is not to get the shipment trade it for Thane's life their plan was always to fight for Thane's life. So it makes it it makes Tila's sacrifice seem stupid because like it's just like in the first movie or not the first movie, the second movie when Tila is about like he he's going to um Kishkuman is going to kill Tila if they don't go and get the 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 dark spore from the dragon. So they go and they get the dark spore and then they come back to save Tila and it all like they get betrayed. And so he gets the dark spore anyway, but like, why don't they just come up? Like, why don't they take the time to come up with a plan to save Thane? Because they could have very easily like come up with the plan without the bug guy there. Cause he's not like listening to them. He doesn't care. Like he's just traveling with them. So they could kill the bug guy or, tie him to a tree and come up with a plan to go save Thane with with uh Merrick's magic you know and it's like well you could say oh she has like more powerful magic because of Tila's sacrifice but she had enough magic before to take out those guards like they break in really easily and they could have just figured out a way to save him like they could have come up with a plan to save him rather than going through with this quest only to fail at the quest and then save him again. Like I, I don't think like they're making the same mistakes over and over and I want to see progression in the storyline. And I feel like this was the exact same storyline as the second movie. And I don't see progression. Like the bad guy is progressing because now he has three of the four shards. And so it's like, I would rather be watching the bad guy's story because at least he's progressing. At least he's winning, you know? Right? It's just... And why? Okay. I'm going to talk a bit. This may make me seem cold-hearted and 
all that. But if the fate of the world is at stake, the entire world, and someone's like, hey, you can save your friends by giving me this thing that I'm then going to turn around and destroy the entire world with. I'm sorry, friends, but the entire world is at stake. There are lots more people than you that I have to save. So I'm probably not going to just hand it over. And if I was one of the friends, I'd be like, you're an idiot. Let me die to save all the other people because why why would you save our lives temporarily most likely just for us to not us not only to die later but just about everybody to be dead or enslaved or under this very evil man's rule well and like the problem is is that they keep getting they keep getting faced with these ultimatums and the ultimatums are go on this super long quest to do something for me and it's like that means like so i can understand okay like we're going to go on this super long quest, quote unquote, and, you know, do this. But why don't they just use that time to come up with the plan to save them? Like, you have plenty of time to come up with a plan to save the person that you're trying to save. And, like, in the second movie, Cole explains, like, there's always another option. There's always another option. And it's like, okay, if there's always another option, why aren't you thinking about other options? <laughs> like, and yeah, maybe you have to give up, you know, the big, dark, bad thing in order to save your friend right that second. And then you and your friend are going to come up with the plan to take him out. But it's like, no, you have plenty of time to come up with a plan, you know? And I think that's what bothers me is it's not, it's not an instant thing. If he's got a knife to the throat give it to me now or I'll kill them. And then they, they decide to give it to them. Now it's, you could, you could do something else. <laughs> and We're I think 30 minutes, by the way, the timer went off. Okay. Let's go ahead and stop and we'll um, process this and I'll send you a new link. Okay. Sounds good. Hello. And we're back. Um, I'll put a commercial there or something. Okay, um, let me, let me set the time. I forgot to set the timer up. Let me set that up real fast. Okay. Okay, it's set for 30 minutes. Okay. Um, where were we? You were complaining that they don't make the time to come up with a plan, even though they're on this very long journey. Yeah, so um, I understand that, like, uh, at the end, after she kind of sets off the trap and her friends and everybody is surrounded and um, Vorlock comes and he grabs her and he's, like, pinging her all over the place, um, like, flashing her to all the different places. Like, I understand that in that moment <laughs> when she drops the, the dark spore and she refuses to use it in order to save her friends, like, I get that in that moment it was, you know, a now thing and it had to happen right then. But for like every other time, I feel like in this series, they get blackmailed into going on a quest. They go on a quest and that just ends up leaving um, the bad guy with what he wants. Yeah. They never make an attempt to not have the dark sport get to him. I mean, they make attempts. I shouldn't say that, but I feel as though, especially in this movie, it was given up too easily. Because as yeah. I stated, I just... 
Tila was already dying. She had two arrows in her. Dagan had an had had an arrow in his abdomen and was being beaten. Thane, she didn't. The bug that they after the bug leads Merrick to Tila. Tila then sends the bug to Thane, but then someone blows it up with magic. So yeah. it's a Thane in one day, which I thought would be impossible because from the beginning of the movie, it showed that they had traveled at least three days, if not more, to get to where they were. Now they have to get back from there to Thane in less than a day to rescue him. So it seems as though they're already dying. It would be sad to lose them. Yes, I'm not saying you wouldn't grieve, but them versus the fate of the entire world is just, and he, that's three of four he only needs one more piece and then he can rule the entire world and no one is going to fare well. I just feel as though it's, they just gave up really easily. She didn't try to fight him or hide it or or anything. And it just makes, it makes me a little upset. It feels like the bad guy's winning a little too easily. He's well, not like a whole lot of in from what I can see. Well, and he's <laughs> getting no spots. I think the biggest problem is the fact that we're, we're not told like so kevin sorbo's character is a exposition device right like he explains all of the stuff we have to know and that like that's his that's his job (laughs) right like the quest this is the thing these are the like he explains everything so he's he's the hermione granger of the group right he tells everybody what we need to know in order for the plot to move forward so I don't understand (laughs) why he doesn't have some kind of plan or why they don't go to him and be like, hey, Thane got captured. Uh, I need to do this thing. Um, And it's just, it's really frustrating to me that the plan, like, like I get like the plan is, you know, stay here, do nothing. But I feel like we as an audience, like, or like the characters that we have could have done something interesting with the stay here, do nothing plot instead of Thane getting captured and them going on a quest to do the exact thing that needed to be done. You know, like I, I just, I take issue with the fact that they didn't do something better with this story, I guess, is my is my issue. I wish they had come up with something that was fun and interesting and that gave us a little bit more of, because I feel like it gave us a little bit more of the highs and lows of emotion. This whole movie, Tila is, like, broken and sad and, like, can't, you know, because, like, First, she's upset because she really loves Thane, but she doesn't want to break her vows. And then she breaks her vows, and then he's immediately captured. So, like, she is miserable throughout this whole movie. Merrick is torn throughout this whole movie. And Diggin is, like, not having fun throughout this whole movie. You know, like, there's not, like, highs and lows. There's one high at the very beginning of the movie when she is training with Kevin Sorbo and they're at the bar dancing around and all that. Like, and then it immediately goes from that. And then the rest of the movie, I feel like is all one feeling, you know, it's all dread. There's no, like you're supposed to 
have victories and failures and stuff like on a, on a quest story. And I feel like the victories, because like, because the bug guy killed uh, the soldier, like, like he killed the smuggler. It, it felt the same. Like it didn't feel like a win. It felt like the bad guy is running the show and our heroes who we're rooting for are just there for the ride and they don't have any control and they don't have any victories throughout the entire thing. And then they end up losing Tila. They end up, you know, barely saving Thane and they end up losing the dark spore and it's just, they lost and we're supposed to want to continue watching them for two more movies. Yeah. You know, bad at this whole question and the bug guy didn't kill the smuggler he killed the captain who was the in-between he was the fence for the smuggler but i understand what you're saying like he it we want to see heroes just like kevin sorbo's character gojin pai said at the beginning heroes make choices that other people can't the hard choices in life that end up being good for people but it's really difficult and it doesn't make you any friends and it just feels like again and time and time again the supposed heroes of these movies don't even have the power to make a choice yeah. and, and it's just really with- frustrating to you, you want to watch these heroes go on adventures and everything and it just first of all they're forced adventurers two and three at least feel very forced and it just they're stuck and it's not fun to watch and to be under that constant stress and have no good things. I mean, Merrick and Dagan basically admit their feelings for each other when they make out. And then Merrick says, never mind, no, I can't. And then when he is carrying her at the end after Tila gave up her life and he's carrying, he called, he's being so great and so nice and gentle and saying all this nice stuff. So, but I'm so confused if they're actually together or if that was just him trying to get them through near death well and the problem is is that with okay so there are moments like with tila's death is really intense and the moment where dagan is stepping up to the plate and saying all of the things that merrick needs to hear in order for her to continue on and the fact that because with when Kevin Sorbo had to sacrifice, he's telling Merrick the story that when he had to sacrifice his friend, it broke up their group. It ruined their team because he sacrificed his friend and the, his other friends couldn't forgive him. And that is Merrick's fear. And Dagan is doing exactly what he's supposed to do. And he's forgiving her and he's helping her to forgive herself and pushing her to continue on with the mission. And so it's, it's these really good emotional moments that I really liked. The problem why they didn't hit right is because the movie was so like the whole way through, it was failure after failure and sadness after sadness the whole way through. So when you got to those deep, you know, really heart wrenching moments, I was so worn out emotionally that I was just like, I just, I can see how this scene is supposed to really get me in the feels. And it's not because I'm just like, I've been tense thinking that Thane is going to die. I've been watching Tila be miserable this whole time. Merrick isn't happy. And I know there's going to be consequences to her actions because bad things keep happening. And like her decision to not go evil is like, yeah, that's 
that climax of her choosing to not be evil should have had more impact, but there wasn't enough of like free will in this movie to make it feel like choices. You know, like, I don't feel like, I feel like the story was happening to the heroes. And so when the bad things happen to them, it was just like, okay, here's another bad thing. Whereas if the heroes are going out on a journey and they're choosing to be out there for whatever reason and bad things happen, it's like, you chose this and now you have to see the ac- the consequences of your actions and you have to figure a way out because you chose this. You know, like this one, it was just like, this, like, I, I never had a good feeling about this movie. You know, like in the second one, at least there was like the team camaraderie and there was uh, Dagan making jokes about the dragon and he doesn't want to help with the fairies and and things like that. With this one, it was just they had to do everything and you have to go here and you have to do this and you have to do this. And they're being compelled by outside forces and it just was not fun to watch. No, it really wasn't fun to watch which is sad because as i said i like the action scenes the most in this movie so far and the fact that they made it back to thane in time after again we had so many shots of them walking and the bug guy sending bugs off at least three times and then they make it back i mean i know they ran they rode a horse part of the way back and then they ran as fast as they could and all of that but they made it back just in time they made it at least three-day journey in less than a day yeah, and they, like, they, I can see, like, because the horse stops and is like, I'm done, and so Dagan has to get off the horse, and they showed that to, like, I guess they were trying to make it, trying to show how far the, the horse has run. By the way, worst CGI horse ever. Like, <laughs> oh my goodness. So, like, when they're close up on the horse and they're just walking, like, that's a real horse. But when he is running across the valleys, like, I mean, seriously, had they ever seen a horse when they did that? Like, it looked so bad. There was no tracks in the snow for part of it. And I was just like, oh, my gosh, that looks so bad. And again, I was on a 72-inch Uh, screen tv so maybe it looked better on smaller stuff but I was like that just looks like a rocking horse that they bounced up and down across the screen (laughs) like it and did not look good anyway so basically they ran the horse to the point that the horse wouldn't move anymore and then he carries her the rest of the way and well he carries her until he collapses, and then he tells her that she has to run because otherwise Tila's sacrifice is on their hands and like Tila's blood is on their hands. So then they run and it's, yeah, they, they make a three day journey in a half a day. <laughs> Which if they had been able to stay on a horse or found two horses so they could each be on a horse would make sense. Cause a horse, obviously, especially if you're running, they're running goes a lot faster than you just meandering through the Valley on your own two feet. Maybe the horse made it a lot further than I thought, and that's how they, I don't know. But I liked Dagan more in this movie. So it's so funny because I feel as of the second movie, I was really passionate and about not liking it, and you were more like how I am with the third one, and now you're the one who's really passionate about not liking it. And I'm just like, it was okay, it was there, it was fine. <laughs> so we're having different emotional experiences 
different emotional arcs. My arc happened in movie two. Your arc is happening now. <laughs> we'll see where we see where where four and five take us because yeah, absolutely. Because I'm just I didn't hate I didn't a lot of the stuff didn't bother me as much. I see the flaws and the problems, but aside from Cole being in the second movie, I think I prefer to watch this movie over two. Two. I don't know what it is about the second one, but that just, movie just really rubbed me the wrong way again except for <laughs> Cole who then got killed and then is never mentioned again and I just I'm not gonna get over that anytime I soon know. and they even have like the perfect time because the advice that he gave her is what saved her in that you always have a choice there's always another way like that's what made her drop the stone like was that thought and they didn't even have a flashback to him telling her that or anything I was they just had like flashbacks to Kevin Sorbo and I was like yay for more Kevin Sorbo but he's not the one that told her that Cole is yeah Cole was the one that told her she had a choice to use her necromancy or not like he was the one who said that he's the one that got her thinking that she could do it without the necromancy so yeah, they had the perfect opportunity and they missed it. Missed opportunity to bring him back, at least in a flashback or a ghost form or a whatever. Like they've had a lot of Star Wars references and Star Wars parallels. Like, why can't we have Force Ghosts <laughs> to come so back? So many hell? Star Wars parallels. You just reminded me the Star Wars parallel. Oh my gosh, what scene was it? I mean, it was. I think it was the scene where he, was, the bad guy, was tempting her to turn to the dark side there are so many star wars parallels there are a lot because that's just like the scene when the emperor is showing they look at the rebellion they're getting blown up they're getting killed out there you know strike me down all of that good stuff and i remember watching that scene and being like oh my gosh this is star wars all over again i know that there is really good storytelling in star wars and there are other movies and shows and books and stories out there that probably have very similar thing you know people are dying and you have a choice to choose good or bad and everything but even just the way it was done reminded me of star wars not just the situation but the way it was done i can't really explain it other than it felt as though they were trying i don't think they were actually trying to mimic star wars or anything i'm not going to put that on them but it really it just made me think of Star Wars. Just like when Dagan said the line, I've got a bad feeling about this in the first movie, I think it was. <laughs> and I was like, oh, Star Wars. In this movie, I'm watching that scene. I'm like, oh, look, it's Star Wars again. Also, what is up with Dagan's character arc? Because it's as though two never happened. And he just went back to how he was in one, but a little bit better. Yeah. Like, just like- two didn't happen, except for Thane and Tila. That's the only thing that they talk about in this movie. Or took away. Yeah. I don't. I would probably rather watch two. Than this one. <laughs> I, I don't. I don't know. And and I understand that Star Wars. Is a hero's journey. Like story art. Like it is. It is the quintessential hero's journey. And so it makes sense. That there would be parallels. But the, the problem isn't that they're copying the hero's journey which pretty like the hero's journey (laughs) is 
brought was brought about because someone noticed the similarities in all of the heroes myths and now people use it as a story structure and it's the circle story structure and it is the exact plot of star wars <laughs> and this movie has a lot of the similarities to the movie of star wars not to sorry i can hear whatever you're doing sorry i was trying to move something i'll stop moving it um anyway so the parallels are not just from the hero's journey and the fact that star wars follows the hero's journey the problem is is that (laughs) it very much mimics like the movie and the movie choices that happen in star wars um happen in this movie and and i guess that's okay like there are worse things to mimic but i'm guessing that it's just um really like they're just nerdy people who really love star wars and they just can't help but oh you know what would be cool is if we did this thing like what they did in star wars you know so i'm guessing that's what it was and not just like they're not trying to like rip it off or anything i'm guessing they're probably just big fans and that's what they thought would be cool so but there's like (laughs) there's definitely a lot of star wars uh parallels so yeah, I, I mean, to make an independent film that is fantasy and is Lord of the Rings-esque in certain aspects, that's how it was advertised, to my knowledge, was that it was an epic fantasy similar in the similar vein to Lord of the Rings, starring Kevin Sorbo as a Gandalf-like character. And we finally got to see a little bit of training with him in this movie. He had to be a little bit of, of a nerd at least a little bit of a nerd, to put all those things together and to be involved in it. And I still wish there was more, There we had, da, 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 I can speak, I promise. We had more Kevin Sorbo. I wish we had even more. I really want Kevin Sorbo to be journeying with them and teaching Merrick along the way and imparting his wisdom and having that balance in the group. But at least we did get more of him. And I think you're right. I think he was in four scenes. Our prediction was, that he'd be in three scenes yeah. <laughs> because he was in one scene in one and two scenes in two so it would track that he'd be in three scenes in three but he was in I think four so maybe in the fourth movie we'll get five scenes with him well I'm hoping that they're doubling it every time so it's one two four eight, eight. <laughs> sixteen <laughs> that's so my this hope movie is just all of him I would be okay with that. That's the reason I wanted to watch these movies. Um, but it's funny because I was I was talking to my parents about it, like because I was I had to explain why we why we needed to watch it, and I was like, um, Kevin Sorbo's barely in it, and I just pulled it up on their their screen, and of course his head is like like it's literally Merrick and Kevin Sorbo, <laughs> like literally just those two, and I was like, look at how big he is. He's in one scene, and my dad <laughs> was just like, yeah but he got you to watch it didn't he <laughs> i was like yes he did their tactic worked but that doesn't mean it's okay because <laughs> you spend the entire movie waiting for him to show back up yes exactly so yeah um he is in more of it and i really just like his character even though he is just exposition and he's you know teaching her stuff like <sighs> I miss seeing Kevin Sorbo on screen. I need to go watch, rewatch Hercules. Like, I love that show. He's also he in an like, episode of Psych. We speaking. We this was 
I don't remember how many episodes back. I think it was the Christmas special episode. You talked about Psych, and I was like, I need to rewatch that. It's been forever, and I never finished the show. So I've been rewatching Psych, and Kevin Sorbo was in an episode of Psych, and he was hilarious and fantastic, and I loved it. He played a bounty hunter that had yeah. a, that had an eye that kept winking or that would blink randomly because of a muscle tick, and so people kept thinking he was winking at them. <laughs> uh, I love Kevin Sorbo so like seriously when I was watching it, it was weird to watch him fight with like a staff and with magic because like I spent my childhood watching him like I don't need any weapons and he just like beats people up with his fist because he's Hercules and so like I'm like I spent my childhood watching you not use weapons and not be a magic user like this is weird <laughs> but I was still there for it I, I really did like it and I like his presence on screen I know he is, um, his acting is not perfect or anything, but the nostalgia gets me and I really like him. So, so I'm all, I'm all for Kevin Sorbo. That's why we're doing this. So more of him, the better. Hopefully <laughs> he gets eight scenes next time. I think Kevin Sorbo does well with cheesiness. He makes it seem not so cheesy. And I think that's from his experience with Hercules. Yeah, definitely. He he's the right amount of like serious about this movie. You know what I mean? Like he gets um he gets how how much to take himself seriously. Like we talked about with the three musketeers, like they take themselves the right amount of serious <laughs> in order to make it believable but also entertaining and not scary heavy. And I think that that's something that a lot of directors, especially in TV shows, especially in fantasy shows, don't understand that balance of like the reason why people really like fantasy is because of the characters and the world that they're in is bonus. (laughs) And I think that a lot of directors spend too much time trying to make the world gritty and realistic and things. And it's like, that's not why we're here. You know, we're here for the Aragorns and the Frodo's and the Samwise Gamgees. And we love Marion Pippin. And, you know, like, we're here for that. And we're here for those characters. And watching them go through dragons and wraiths and, and all this stuff, like, that that is what is compelling about the fantasy genre. You know, it's not the dragons. It's not the monsters. It's not the the bad things or the, or the crazy world. That's interesting. Those are like cherries on top of the character driven stories that you have in fantasy. And that's why they're so good. And I think this movie, like this series is like it, it is almost there, but it's funny because like, it's almost there each movie. It has been almost there in a different way. You know, (laughs) if they just find the good parts of one, two, and three, they'd have a really awesome movie. Yes. That's how like, it's like one, they weren't like together enough. Like they didn't have the feel of, you know, they weren't realistic enough. And then two, they didn't have the character arcs right. And then this one, they don't have the like feeling right. Like they're almost there in each of them, but it's always something different. So they just need to combine everything and then they would have one awesome movie. And yeah. I still want justice for Cole. Hashtag justice for Cole and, Myth- and Mythica. 
Um, Tila's death, I'm not that sad about, but I really think because we didn't see a body, she kind of disappeared in light and was praying to the goddess and it was a sacrifice. I think that we will see her in some form again in the next movies, unlike Cole, who we did see a body and we saw him very much just get killed and die. I At least I'm hoping we see Tila more for Thane's sake than anything because he they barely had anything you know they barely said that or i don't know if they said i love you but they admitted their feelings for each other and spent time together as a couple very very briefly she gets mad at him and ignores him then they get together and then he immediately gets taken and tortured and she was so intent on saving thane and his life matters more than anything else that's going on including the dark spore at one point which surprised me, but it shows just how deep her affection for him goes. And then she just cares so little about her own life throughout the three movies. Like she's always saying, you know, you're fools, let me die or just take my life. You know, I give it freely and whatnot. Like she just doesn't care about her own life in the same way that she cares about Thane's life. And now Thane, that's such a heavy burden to carry for Thane, for anybody, but I just really hope that it doesn't completely break him down to nothing and either she comes back or they get some peace or resolution to it so that he can grieve properly and move on. Well, and the problem is, is that I want to say at the end, they show him like being gung ho about you know we're gonna stop this guy we're gonna take this guy down you know like and he's moving forward and progressing and like he's gonna be proactive but from (laughs) from one to two and two to three we know that the ending of the movie has absolutely nothing to do with the beginning of the next movie because the next movie typically ruins whatever happy ending happened in the first one so like I want to be like, oh, well, he, we have that scene of him, like, you know, being ready for battle and he's not going to sit and get drunk and, and, and lose himself like he did the first time. He's, you know, he's going for it. But also, (laughs) that's not like, that's not been the, like, they have not been true to the end of the movie that preceded it this whole time. So it's like, I can't even be, I don't have faith that you know even though we got that scene of him ready to go in the next movie he's gonna be sloppy drunk in a pub wishing he was dead you know what i mean like i I don't don't have i don't know why they don't respect the endings of their own movies i why don't you you did it you're the one or if you yourself didn't do it it's part of the series that you're working on and you should respect it and go forward from there why are you ruining the movie and or the previous movie watching because now if ever I want to go back and watch the first movie the ending's just gonna make me sad because I know oh the second Karen steps out the door she's dead yeah it ruins the ending and the second one I still say it should have ended with Merrick in the dungeon and actually would have made a lot more sense this movie for Paragus who's the pimp to be going after them and everything because it, it would have happened sooner, more recently, in our, and be more present on our minds, if that makes well, sense. It would have, yeah, it would have been more present on our minds, but it also would have made sense within the story, and we, would, we could have cut out less of the quest 
because I feel like, like you said, there was a ton of walking, there was a ton of not a lot happening and we could have cut that out and had them struggling to save uh, Merrick and then Merrick, you know, finally is free and she starts training and then the guy comes back and he's like, okay, well, if I can't have Merrick, I'm going to take Thane. And you know what I mean? So it's, it would have made it not come out of left field. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like that's anyway. So no, I agree. I think it would have been a lot better to take part of the ending of the second movie and lengthen it out just a little bit, not too much, but maybe another couple minutes, put it at the beginning of this movie and then it just would have flowed better. But we have one second and the timer is going off. All right. Well, I think we are pretty much done. So I'm my final thoughts on this movie. It was my least favorite of the three that we've watched so far. It's way too dark. But overall, there was a lot of good emotional scenes, but I feel like they fell flat because so much of the movie was heavy and not fun. Uh, was heavy and not fun. And so I feel like it would have been better. It okay? needed some levity. Yeah. It definitely needed some levity. I will say, though, that I re- really, I was very impressed with Dagan, the actor who plays Dagan, the scene when, you know, after Tila has died or whatever happened and he's getting Merrick out of there and the and the close-up of the horse, not the CGI horse, but the close-up of the real horse, and he's getting Merrick down. I was really impressed with his acting there. I thought he carried that really well. I've never been disappointed in his acting or anything. I just was... That was a good scene for him to show some more range, and I thought he played it really well. I just thought he did a really good job at that. Where, by the way, one more complaint, and then we'll end it. What happened to Merrick's limp? It's completely gone. I had to explain to my dad. I was like, she's a cripple, by the way. Case like case you couldn't tell from that brace on her leg that is the only the only remnant, the only remnant of her (laughs) of her like horrible disability that she had at the beginning of this story that she complained about constantly. And everybody commented on it and called her gimp or gimpy and which is horribly derogatory and just now it's gone, but people still notice. That. And her brace is so close in color to her boot that I almost thought she wasn't wearing a brace at all and just was doing something else or we had just completely abandoned that storyline until they did a close-up of her standing up from falling over and I saw the laces of the brace over her boots. And I was like, oh, there it is. Why didn't they make the brace a different color or her boots a different color? So that the brace could stand out. Where is her limp? She is not struggling. And it, not only is she not struggling, she is like learning to fight bow staff with Gojin Pai. And there is no anything in her stance or the way she walks or moves, falls down, nothing that indicates that she has a bad foot. None at all. And the way that she falls, she puts all of her weight on her crippled foot and falls down like several times throughout this movie. I was like, are you freaking kidding me? Like girl, you know, you have a, you are supposed to have a limp. Yes. You're supposed to have a club foot, a foot that is turned inward and is hard to put weight on and walk properly. I strained, not sprained with a P, but strained with a T like 
tennis strained my ankle not that long ago and it's gotten a lot better but I just from a strain I could barely put any weight on it I would I had a bit of a limp when I was walking you know I had troubles with my left ankle and at the height of that troubles when we watched Mythica one and I thought it was funny like oh look hey you know she also can't really put weight on her left foot and everything I felt some kidmanship now that kidmanship is gone even though my ankle is still hurting (laughs) from just straining it can you imagine if I had a club foot how much more difficult life would be and this it was not even spring I didn't need a I didn't need a foot brace or a boot or anything on it I just needed to rest it for a bit and it took like a week to heal because I couldn't fully rest it. If I could fully rest, it would have taken a shorter amount of time. But I don't know. I I can't blame it all on the actress because if the director isn't saying, hey, you have a limp, go back and do it again with that limp. It's everybody who's involved in yeah. the production of it. No one is like pointing out, hey, you're yeah, supposed to have a limp. Go back and do it again. And so yeah. why? Like they, needed, they needed somebody to make that continuity or like they could have healed her like you know like they could have said something about her being better or like the goddess is healing her now or like the um kevin sorbo you know healed her enough or maybe found her own magic to heal herself like she's not 100 she's not back to you know like she's not normal but she uh is better like they could have thrown a line in there about how much she is improving because it used to be at least in the first movie she was always the back of the pack when she couldn't run very well in this one she's just trotting up hills like they haven't even gotten her like a better brace or anything like it's still the same brace and it's still the same like everything is the same except for the fact that she just doesn't even notice it anymore you know but and I so like, the same braces survived everything they've gone through i would imagine that that she would have to get a new brace at some point by now but it survived everything this is a really tough brace even after she threw it in the fire and one of the straps burned off it's still working just better than ever yeah <laughs> no problems whatsoever no need to replace or repair or anything all right. Well, we we better wrap it up. So, um, recommendations. <laughs> um, oh, there is the cutest on Prime, Amazon Prime. I just started the show. It's the cutest baking show based off Dr. Seuss. I think it's oh, Dr. Seuss Baking Challenge. Doc- if you look up Dr. Seuss or Baking Challenge, you'll find it. One of the girls from Sister Sister, Tamara. She is the mm-hmm. host, as adorable as could be, as she says all the Susian lines and everything. I love her. I think she's fantastic. It's super cute, super fun. My little, my oldest daughter, who's little, she's almost four. She loves watching it. She loves seeing all the color and what they come up with. My husband and I both love watching all these cake artists do what they do. It's so fun. I definitely recommend it. It's family friendly and the everyone's really nice even though it's a competition which i like to see good competition spirit like they're competitive they're putting their best out but they're not mean to each other in any way which like is good the great, sportsmanship like the great british baking show much closer to that yes i don't think it's at that level that's just some level of niceness that is <laughs> <laughs> 
that is above and beyond. But yes, very close. Even the the judges. I saw an episode where a couple of the judges came over, and uh, one of the the teams was having trouble with their structure, and they gave them a suggestion of how they could fix it with one hour to go. And the team was able to take it and fix their structure and make it better. And I really appreciated that because, you know, I think that's nice if you can give advice. It's not going going so far as to rig it or anything. I think, you know, why not give advice? Anyway, Dr. Seuss Baking Show or Baking Challenge. I can't remember what it's called exactly, but it's on Prime. It's cute as can be. Super fun. Especially if you like Dr. Seuss, very colorful. Go and watch it. That's my recommendation. All right. Well, definitely, you guys, thank you so much for listening. Please share with your friends and uh, support us over on uh, all of our social medias. We have Facebook and Instagram and, of course, our YouTube channel. All of those are Your Little Sisters Productions. Or you can tweet us at YLS underscore productions. And, of course, and support us there patreon.com slash Flake. find the podcast here with our beautiful logo uh with the blue tree and thank you so much i'm taya i'm laura bye, bye.